Edition 202 with Christopher Whitaker, serious joy, psychic, master astrologer, life coach. Join the team as we enter the spiritual dojo, go down the rabbit hole and sip some tea in the soul garden with Sensei Whitaker. Well, Matt, welcome. Hello. Are uh, you were speaking uh, to me? I was waiting for Jim to jump in there. I apologize. Hi, thank you for having me, guys. Most definitely. You're kind of one of these people, I, as soon as I realized what you're about, I wanted to get you on here. Um, I guess I'll, well, I'll talk about the card of the episode and then we can kind of get into how I turned on to you. But uh, so it is episode 202, which reduces to four, which in the um, major arcana is the emperor card. And then in the David D'Angelo Starman Tarot uh, deck, it says, The Emperor, I lead by example. The Emperor card is about setting boundaries and following rules, believing in the concrete world around you, focusing on action and results, holding your ground. Raphael, what card do you have? We got the angel number 16. This is the angel of loyalty, a cherubim. This angel protects people in positions of command. Help fight the rogues, achieve victory, and liberate the oppressed. Intervenes in issues pertaining to courage and fidelity. It's associated with the Nine of Swords, and the affirmation is, I am patient and believe in the blessings that are coming. That's what's up. So, Christopher, um, between the Emperor card and that Angel card, were there any syncs or resonances for you? Uh, yeah, actually, I mean, I was doing my own thing right away when you said 202, because like, oh, that's a Uranus. That's how I pronounce it. Uranus, uh, four is Uranus in my stepsystem. So I was, right away, I thought, wow, this is awesome. Uh, part of innovation. This, I, I see that as a great sign. And in my, you know, 16 and nine are also powerful numbers for me. So honestly, it, it feels like the heavens are, are saying that they're with me. <laughs> As far as like uh, as a good omen, energetically, I think it, um, you know, as far as pulling this moment right now, I think they both are relevant. Angel of Loyalty and the Emperor card. I don't know a lot about um, tarot too much, although my mom was doing tarot as I was a kid, uh, so I, I got to notice my cards. But 
I do think that uh, with this energy moving into Aquarius, um, you know, it sort of is this emperor feeling in the sense that um, there's a new authority moving in, a new authority of how we govern our life, a new authority of how we how we govern the world. And I, so that emperor to me sort of shows the sign of that coming in. And, uh, and I think, you know, in that governance, um, it has to do with the angelic realm. I think it brings in the angelic realm and the loyalty and staying, staying true to it. Uh, I think that's going to be a theme of this week um, with the world is everyone's going to have to be loyal to their own vision and loyal to their own faith. So I see both of these. I see a new emperor coming on the scene and I see a need to stay faithful. That's what's up. Uh, I just was looking at your chart real quick. Um, I knew you were a Taurus, but uh, and we both have Venus in Taurus, uh, which is cool. Um, but uh, we're all three Leo risings, which is fun. And Raphael's North Node's in Aquarius. I have Jupiter in Aquarius, as I believe you do too. Um, seventh house, yeah. So same as to me. So we're both having um, an interesting year, I think. It's weird because the uh, Emperor card was saying something that they like, like, I lead by example. I think that's that inner authority um, you were talking about on your most recent um, YouTube drop um, was saying to the effect of like, inst I mean the whole Leo Aquarius dichotomy, right? Where it's like Aquarius is trying to like do very authentic things. And uh, well, they're both authentic. I really like, I quoted you on Facebook about it. Um, you were saying every sun is kind of the same thing, but just different kind of degrees of polarity, a very hermetic kind of um, interpretation. I appreciated that. I mean, I guess I knew that, but you said it in a succinct enough way that I felt quoting it on Facebook. Um, so I don't remember where my train of thought was, Gemini Life. I just lost it. But the idea here is <laughs> leading by example, right? Um, we're having, we're kind of tired of governments, authorities, religions, people telling us what's up. South Node and Sagittarius is like, yo, stop running around crusading and, you know, killing people and stuff you know what i'm saying and it seems like we're kicking into a new place north mid and gemini which is ironically right between my sun and moon right now um where it's about playfulness open-mindedness and ultimately like inner authority um and and we don't you know anarchy is a strong word uh that has a lot of connotations i think but i think anarchy in the best sense is like people are sovereign and doing the right shit so everything kind of works together and you don't need a pope or you don't need you know a president or whatever i mean these things help kind of the world get along but i think we're all kind of waking up to our um ability to be emperors and empresses ourselves the emperor card really resonating there for me i digress i could be long-winded like this so um thanks for coming on first of all i know that you've got a busy schedule and making time for this is really nice of you um like i said you're kind of a get for me we've been having some cool people on the podcast and it seems the caliber is kind of increasing and i'm stoked uh just because the people like yourself that are coming on are people that i actually give a shit about <laughs> so it feels like thanks man yeah no totes like you're crushing it and uh i think i first heard about you like in 2015 or so um i started really waking up to astrology um uh i mean i kind of had some weirder experiences in high school back in 2003 and stuff but um i shut that shit down i was like i'm not ready for like astral projection and stuff like that i just wasn't like on the wave yet and then coming around 2012 2013 i went through a crazy relationship had a breakup i was like an alcoholic got into lsd tripping once a week and then all of a sudden i started being like alan watts terrence mckenna oh my god this stuff's crazy so getting on that wave and then I started not being able to, like, basically I could see astrology. Like, I was like, oh, I see someone's Taurus rising or Capricorn rising. Or I see, I just started seeing it, like, in a very Adam Kadmon kind of <laughs> very ephemeral way. Um, and I couldn't unsee it. So I was like, this shit's probably real. Got into Kapachalesher. 
And after like a year or two, um, my friend uh, who's been on the podcast, Diane, uh, her, uh, I forget her last name, but she goes by Mercurial Muse. She hit me up one day and she's like, you need to check out the Peace Dealer and Leo King. And at some point, both of them were your students, I think at the same time, possibly. Um, so I became aware of you vicariously through them. And then more recently, I'd say within the past year, I started t- turning in, tuning on to your stuff specifically. And it's fabulous. Astrology, well-presented. Um, it kind of covers all the bases. If people want just to drive by kind of like astrology weather thing, that's possible on your YouTube thing. Uh, but you also have Serious Story, which is like an app. You have a few things. I want to get into the, uh, like kind of what you're providing at some point. But that's how I became aware of you. So you're aware. Um, so Well said, okay. like a master Gemini. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know when to shut up once I get excited. And plus I had some green tea right before this with some honey, so I'm like all jazzed up. Um, so... I guess maybe the best place to start uh, is you don't have to be like, you know, call me Ishmael lengthy, but it's like, how did you, like, where did you grow up? How did you get turned on to, you were saying your mom did Tarot, like, what was your cultural bringing? Like, how did you start getting to the place you are now, basically? All right. Good question. Um, I had a very, well, first of all, I grew up in the seventies. I'll just throw out, I'm 47. So um, I've been around for a little longer than you, you gents. I remember the 80s very well when you were being born. So funny to be that guy on the show, by the way, because I was usually you guys. So <laughs> you see yourself go through this growth arc. But I had in the 70s, though, I mean, it sets the stage for my upbringing. My parents were huge pot smokers, like always smoking pot in front of us. You know, that was it was illegal back in the day, right? But so I had kind of far out parents. They meditated. They forced us to meditate. My father was like this huge Seth series guy, like, um, which is written by Jane Roberts was like this, this channeled, uh, personality that this woman, Jane Roberts channeled that basically explains the nature of reality. So my father was sort of like a self-proclaimed Jedi Knight. He was always sort of teaching the force and using star Wars as a means of sort of like telling me that our energy and our consciousness creates our reality. In fact, so much so, you know, my dad would almost discipline me for creating the wrong reality. You know, like when I'd be sick or shit, he'd be like, well, why did you manifest that? You know, (laughs) and kind of, so I was raised in a very um, wizardy uh, Jedi sort of childhood with my dad on that side. And then my mom on the other side, uh, she was in prayer. She'd want us to meditate. She'd bring us, um, you know, we also had grandparents who were uh, basically Catholic. So I had this like sort of smorgasbord of, uh, reality and belief structures growing up. And, uh, and astrology was something my mom would talk about. And she had, um, you know, we had different astrology books on the bookshelves, right? And uh, as growing up, my mom through the 80s and once she started to come into a tarot and stuff like that. And so I started, you know, it, spirituality started to move into that realm where mama started doing my cards and things like that. I moved a lot as a child. My dad was a nuclear engineer, like a, uh, literally a Homer Simpson. You talk about Bart Simpson. My dad was Homer. I am really Bart. My dad worked at the nuclear plant. We went around the country, um, basically wherever he was starting up nuclear plants. And that's probably when I started to see my abilities because I would go to different towns like every two years and I would see like a gym and it, and that gym would have the same vibe as the gym I knew in Missouri and a similar vibe in the gym I knew. And, and I started to see as a young, you know, growing up, like, huh, there's certain start, there's like archetypes. I didn't know the word at that time, but like there's archetypes that seem to be the same, like the same vibe. And I, and I started to, at an early age, even in high school, started to realize 
um, you know, that I had an ability sort of to understand this. Plus by then I think I discovered Linda Goodman. She'd written a bunch of funny books and I, my mom had had them on the bookshelf. So sort of reading those sort of books and then fast forward, um, actually, you know, so kind of a metaphysical childhood moving around the country, very open mind belief structure, believing in creating your own reality. And then in uh, college in Chicago, I went to college at Columbia, Chicago for two years for film. I was a film major uh, in all five years I went to college studying character and story. And, um, and I ended up dating this girl in Chicago and she was an astrologer and she's like, I want to do your chart. We come over and um, let's take a look at your stuff. And I was like, huh, okay, I'll take a look at it. When I got to her house and she started doing a reading, she's like, look, I want to be honest with you. I don't think you and I are going to work out. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, and here's why. And she starts going in the chart and she's like, you got all this energy in your 10th house. You're not going to want to settle down and have kids. You got, and she goes around the whole chart and she hits me so deadpan accurate. She's a Scorpio. She's still a friend to this day, by the way. I was so blown away that someone could look at this circle and know so much about me. And I think the, the part of me that wanted power was like, I want to know this. I don't want anyone to hold this over. No chick is going to break up with me again because of my chart. You know what I mean? Like it was basically, so I started studying it and, um, I found that I was pretty good at it. And, um, I just, when I, I, do, I go to open a book and I'd seemed to know what it was going to say. And over time I started to think with the books back then, I mean, the books that I had, I, I haven't looked in the books these days, but they were all pretty dark and depressing astrology books. It was pretty much like this squared, this you're doomed. You have problems with this. You're an addict. You have, you know, problems with addiction problems. And I was like, this is, this is negative, man. Like uh, I'm constantly being talked in my unhappiness. Like, and so I started to pay attention myself and I would do astrology on the side. Basically now fast forward, I go to cop, I go to film school. I ended up going to film school, at the USC for, for a year, hated it was not my culture at all but met some cool people, went up to San Francisco State, finished my college up there, did not graduate <laughs> um, because I, my, I met my wife and I had a, uh, we, had, we started to have a baby and a family right away because I'm from the Midwest. So I was going down that baby pipeline and dropped out of film school because I didn't need a degree anyways and basically ended up in television. And I ended up working uh, as an executive assistant in television. This was a lifetime television series for women. So as a staff, I was an executive assistant for the EP. So I was like, everyone came to me to get to her. And this is a staff of like 42 women. And so I start doing readings um, for these women. I, my thing would be like, okay, take me out to lunch and I'll do a reading for you. And, was, and so I would just, I read the entire staff and I eventually um, uh, read this one girl named Lisa and Lisa sat me down and was just like, look, dude, you are phenomenal with this, like beyond phenomenal. And I know so many wealthy women in entertainment who will do nothing but set, give you money to just do this all day. Like you're good in TV, but you're amazing at this. Um, and, she, and her name was Lisa Roth. Well, it turns out she was David Lee Roth's sister, Lisa Roth. Oh, word. Nice job. <laughs> so like who, who I love, David Lee Roth. And so she, very cool Scorpio. And if she ever hears this, props to you, Lisa, you changed my life. Um, because at that moment, she started buying me for her friends. Um, and so I started getting sent out right away on readings to like the executive vice president of distribution for CBS, blah, 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 this studio, blah, 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 that studio. And, um, and found myself doing these readings. 10th house energy coming in hard. 
super hard. And also Jupiter and Aquarius, like taking a hard right turn into Aquarius. You mentioned we, we both have Jupiter and Aquarius. You know, like, so although I'm very 10th house, like that Aquarius aspect hadn't been intervened yet. I was all television, but not, you know, astrology. Um, and so I got basically passed around. I, I feel okay dropping this name. I find, you know, one day she's like, I'm going to buy you from my friend Courtney. She's really nice. Go to her house. She'll take good care of you. Opens the door. It's Courtney Cox. And I'm just like, dude. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy shift. <laughs> uh, and she was with, uh, I think David, right? Like at that time. Um, and very, you know, at the end of the day, super, super nice. Um, but it, the, the situation just blew me away. And I was like, okay, I really need to um, really do this right and start like with a real foundation. And so that's when I started thinking about like, how am I going to do this? I don't have a website. I don't have anything. I was working in television and that's really what sort of set me off into, Hey, I, I think I want to do this for a living. The important people seem to think that I'm good at this. Um, and so from that point on, at some point I developed a uh, soul garden, which was a website. And I realized, uh, you know, the hybriding, you know, right when video was on television, like video can come on the internet. Like that was huge. And I was in TV and I hated working in TV. I hated working for the networks. They totally, they're constantly dumbing down the scripts. I mean, I can tell you all the horror stories. It's all true. It's all dark. Um, and, you know, there's no way you're going to climb up unless you're sleeping with someone or something funky. Like it became pretty clear. So the internet was like this new promise, like, holy shift, you know, we can, we can do videos. We can be our own NBC. And so. Our that's, own emperors. That's, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, um, and so I broke off with a, a couple of guys, my, um, my brother and another friend, and we started talking about really the technology of like, how do we build this? This is pre YouTube, um, by the way. So this is before YouTube, but I had a TV background, so I wasn't intimidated and we figured it out and we went on the air, um, basically on our own website with video horoscopes. That was my thing. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to totally take over TV by doing video horoscopes. No one's ever even done that before. Like, and, uh, and that was my plan and my strategy. That was in 2005. We went live 2006, like Martin Luther King birthday on 2006. That was 15 years ago this month, actually. So, and that was before YouTube was live. So we, I started putting out uh, these video horoscopes and started, I just started sending it out to my friends like, hey guys, check this out. And I, you know, my little dinky site, soulgarden.tv, you know, started getting views amongst people in Hollywood and stuff um, that, you know, that otherwise probably wouldn't watch or whatever. And uh, on YouTube, YouTube came out later that year. And I, I, I went on YouTube in October. I'm pretty sure I was the first astrologer on YouTube. Pretty sure. There was Damn no others. Son. See, I, I'm I glad I asked for your story because I'm like, I was not aware of any of this. So I'm stoked to hear all this. Uh, keep going. So you were obviously kind of just doing video uploads and then YouTube came on and then you kind of just said, Shh, throw it on there too kind of thing. Exactly. We just saw YouTube as another place. Like we were still, we were still wanting to be YouTube. You know what I mean? Like that was the vision. There was like a lot of fever. I mean, I went through the dot-com bubble and rode that whole bubble up. Um, so there was a lot of dot-com fever that, you know, you could be big, but yeah, we went on YouTube because that was becoming big. And, uh, and we're talking, I did, 12 video, 13 videos a day, boys. I did one video for every sign five days a week. And I did an extra show called Astro Weather, which had graphics and like a green screen where I was a weatherman. And I was totally green screen and doing all the graphics. 13, so 13 shows a day, five days a week for about five and a half years straight. I did that. And, like and a boss. Jeez, that's really productive. 
yeah, I, I, by the end it was about, I have a, right now I think I have almost 18,000 videos right now on my channel because I just stacked so, all of my face on it because I've been just doing that output. And that's just my ambition, you know, push. And I felt like that's what I needed. I felt like all the signs needed that sort of that much coverage for that long, you know, and then soul garden, uh, which was basically the site, I wanted to build it into a brand and a channel. And so that's when I started bringing people on. In fact, um, I met David Palmer in person, uh, actually when Jupiter was in Aquarius last time, 2009, David had been watching my show and he just reached out to me in this very congenial way. He's like, Hey dude, I love your stuff. Da, da, da. Uh, and he was living in OC. I'm not sure. I think he's working. I'm not sure where he was working at the time, but, um, but I started talking to him. I was like, Hey, I would love to have, you know, have people on camera with me. And so eventually it evolved to where I had a whole crew of people. I had a meditation uh, person. I had a person talking about just, you know, mindfulness, a person talking about aromatherapy. And that was like the soul garden crew. And we did that for about two years where we did all this different a la carte stuff. And David would come on and be my co-host for a show we did called Astro Gossip. We'd be like two sports announcers talking astrology basically, which was a lot of fun. Um, and he started to do his DJ stuff. And at the very end of Soul Garden, Mike Neeby came on board and we were working with Mike on camera. And when Mike first came on board, man, like he was totally young. He was so young at the time and just starting. Um, so Soul Garden basically started to burn out. Like I started to burn out um, from all, I basically burned out. Like I ended up getting MRSA, which is, you know, that staph, uh, that uh, antibiotic resistant, uh, you know, vi uh, bacteria basically. And it took me out. And at that point I realized I got a shift. And so I started shifting gears and I shifted it to one show, one show a day, which was Namaste today that covered all 12 signs. So putting it all into one show. And then, um, <clears throat> and then over time it became one show a week because this is just me realizing like, uh, what's manageable. I, yeah. What's realistic. <laughs> exactly. Well, don't you kill know. yourself for the art. I mean, that's I'm, that's what I watch on YouTube. Um, like I said, I want to get into Serious Joy. I think it's probably well worth the investment. Um, it's not even that crazy amount. I think it's like eleven dollars a month or something crazy or cheap like that. It's not that crazy. Um, but what I've been watching is um, Namaste today uh, for the past few months, and it's been. I, now that I hear the evolution, I'm like, oh, now I totally see it. The weatherman thing on the front end, and then you're going through the signs very diligently, I might add. Because, uh, but then you also use a lot of jargon that, not jargon in a bad way, but it's like you're talking about like these are my steps, this, that, and the other. And I think you have a system. Were you doing okay? So I'm. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, let's kind of rewind all the way back to some of these things. First of all, um, I'm just looking at your chart. You got Saturn in eleventh house, Gemini. It's like, of course, you're going to be an authority at some level on astrology. I mean, I think Gemini and uh, you know Aquarius kind of has that vibe to it. So I think you're tapped in and you can kind of – I mean, I wouldn't normally say people can kind of make up shit about astrology, but you kind of can, if that makes any sense. Well, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I look at it as channeling. I mean, um, I mean, I have a grand trine there. So Saturn goes to Uranus at 19 Libra and that goes to Jupiter at 11 Aquarius. So that grand trine and air has the ability to, first of all, generate content forever, forever. In fact, that's as evidenced by your YouTube video count. <laughs> like I, I could just make, you know, I could just small talk forever. Now, personally, I'm very quiet behind the scenes. Like I'm not, it's always the case. Like the person who's so on camera is always quiet in the background because I'm always processing, internalizing. But uh, the truth is the step system actually came out of doing horoscopes uh, you know, 12 horoscopes a day, because what happened was 
I don't know if any of you try to write a horoscope, but it's like, I'm doing a full three minute show for every sign five days a week, three minutes. That's a lot of time to fill. And, and we're talking about what changed in the planets between yesterday and today. And the answer is not much. The moon has moved maybe uh, 12 degrees and the sun has moved one degree and Mercury's moved one degree and Venus has moved one degree and that's it. And sometimes I was like, how the hell? Cause I'm also an empath, I'm a psychic. And, I, uh, and a lot of my reading is really psychic using astrology as sort of like the key to tap into the Akashic. Um, so I've always been, you know, and my relationship to my higher self and my guides has gotten richer and richer as I was doing more and more readings. Like you do readings like a ninja five, four or five a day, you become really sharp. But I was, you know, Kung Fu at some point. Totally. Like, um, you know, I can read on the fly in an elevator. You know what I mean? Like, um, so like, but I would, I remember being in the studio one day. I remember this day to my, to to this very day. And I was like, what the hell is different about today to yesterday? Today is so intense. It's so emotional. And none of the astrology makes sense. I can't see in the freaking astrology where this is coming from. I was frustrated. And my guides came in with goosebumps the whole nine yards. And they just showed me the number two, the number two. And I was like, the number two? What the F are you talking about? Like the number two. And then finally, I looked at the degrees on that day. And it was like, holy shit, pardon my French, every, every degree is starting with a two, like half the planets have two something today. And that was when I had the breakthrough. And I then want to I point said, out, this is the 202nd episode, so keep going. Oh my God, that's true. <laughs> I know, you're right. So, uh, and, I, and suddenly, I, I, suddenly my mind goes to another page in a book. I literally flipped to a Linda Goodman book in my brain. And I remember in that book, and I... That she, that Does she have the one on North Notes? I think I have that book. No, no, she. That's not the North. Uh, that's actually um, Jan Spillman, I think. Okay, you totally got me. Good, go, good job. Okay, anyway, um, I, she's amazing so too. Also changed my, my, life, my life. Yeah, I didn't yeah, interrupt well, yeah. you. Linda Goodman had at one point in the book had actually come up with a number for every planet. She'd come up with a number for every planet, and she'd come up with number two for the moon. And I said there in that moment, I said, "Oh my God, I got goosebumps." Are you telling me that Linda Goodman's numbers apply to the degrees? And from that point on, I started examining it. I didn't quite know. I, I basically experimented with it. In fact, I didn't tell anybody about the step system for a good eight years. I mean, uh, that's a long fucking time, dude. That's like a, a child's early formative years or whatever. <laughs> it's like, what? That's a long time. Well, I studied it and I would do readings and I started bringing it out in readings. I didn't tell them about it. But I, I could see right away and I started to decode it and it took a while to download it. And I literally would download it. There was a moment when I literally felt like my brain had to go to the bathroom. That's the only way to describe it. It suddenly felt super congested in my brain. And I walked over to the table and I started writing stuff down. And, I, and that's where I got a couple of the huge breakthroughs. The biggest breakthrough I got from writing it down, which Linda Goodman didn't do, was that zero was Pluto. And I was like, oh, my God, I would have never thought Pluto had a degree. And then, oh, my God, of course it's zero because Pluto's everything and nothing at the same time. You know, like, so I, I was able to download it and started to re basically took me about a year to get all the numbers and all the steps. And then I'm a big manifestation guy. So most of my, you know, most of my show is about you. Like, I'm fascinated with getting a human being to ascension. That's what I use my brilliance for is like, wh where are you stuck? How do we unstuck you? How do we get you on the path of enlightenment? Where are you still stuck with the dark ages? 
Um, I'm interested in any what a seventh house Mars Pisces. You're like, I will level you up, friend. <laughs> yes, and Jupiter. I have the knowledge. You know, Correct. Seven, yeah, I have the knowledge. I can I can make it so. Um, and so so you the step system for me um, really came out in that in that particular way is to actually help people and to understand how they are. So manifestation was was always my goal like fix you and then how to manifest. Like, how do you draw in what you want? This goes back to my child with my dad that we can manifest our own reality. So I was starting to melt together these two disciplines like, oh, if we can manifest our own reality, what's the astrological formula? That's what I wanna know. There must be a formula. There must be a secret formula that makes reality manifest. There must be a sequence or an order or something. That's where my scientific mind was going. And I prayed about it and my guides came in and at one of those moments, and, and literally, I laughed out loud because they said the formula is 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. That's the order. And I got huge goosebumps. I'm getting them right now telling you the story. And, and I was like, oh, my God, of course. Of course, that's the order. That's the order we were trained as kids. That's the order we've always known. We all know 0 through 1 through 11. And it's 0 through 11. It's not 1 through 12. That's why I call it the 11 steps to serious joy because there's a hidden step. And for you to remember that there's a hidden step, which is step zero, which is Pluto. So moving forward, I started to realize, and this is where the step system plays in. And, and I'm writing a book about this because it's deep and I'll explain it to the oh, public. Oh, it definitely deserves a book. Yeah, because I was like, I want to brush up on this, but keep going. I was like, this shit needs to be like transcribed or whatever. I'm working on it. In fact, that's what this year, I mean, that's what Jupiter and Aquarius return for me is this year is like it's time to bring the knowledge to the public. Because Jupiter, the last Jupiter, was like when the knowledge started to break open for me. I met David Palmer and lecture after Mike and, and you know, went down this path. So now I'm Jupiter return. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm done with my research. I understand it. Um, You're getting off the light. You're ready am, to do it totally am, different yes. now. <laughs> That's funny. Palmer calls me a white bull. He's like, you're a white Taurus bull. <laughs> you know, like you're not a dark Taurus bull. Um, so yeah, the so that's how the eleven steps came about and. Real and so what I've that is really the fundament of my readings is I realize that people screw up manifesting their reality because they skip steps. Because that they, sounds very much like evolutionary psychology. Or I mean, uh, astrology is that what you're kind of referring to, David Green or whatever his name is? Or when you say skip steps, kind of you're talking about your step system more, like zero through eleven. I'm talking about my step system zero gotcha, through eleven. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I'm talking about when I look at a chart now. I can see where you're at a step. I can see what step you're, you suck at. And what I've realized is, and this is my theory going forward, is that to manifest something, every part of your being, all 12 signs, all 12 steps have to be in, in alignment. The you X-Men have to be fucking on the same page or else this fucking mission ain't going down. A hundred percent. And so why are people mismanifesting? Because they favor the mind like you, Gemini, which is step five. Live in everywhere in step five. Are you real aware of step two, how you feel? Well, it's in Gemini too, so I doubt it. You know what I mean? Like you're more – as soon as you feel something, that's another cancer, topic. Cancer. Uh, I have some 12th house stuff. No, it's weird. I, I hear what you're saying. And actually now that I'm thinking about it, it's like I'm probably going to have to look up how much your readings are because I'm like you're definitely – like I. it's these one of these things. And I mean there's a lot of – we've had 200 episodes, you know, Rupert Sheldrake and Richard Rudd and all sorts of cool like smart motherfuckers. And I'm like, I feel like at least now I'm like, ah, oh, the, when the student's ready, the teachers appear kind of thing. That feels like right, right about now because the Jupiter return that you're going through right now, 
I guess in a similar way I had um, back in 2009 is when I moved to Honolulu for two years. I was getting into music in a particular way. Um, I don't need to talk about that. Um, but the point is, uh, yeah, we're shifting gears. The clutch is on. It seems like this year was like the clutch was slipping or something, and now we're shifting gears, it feels. Um, before you get too much into your step system, which I don't want to um, you know, prevent you from doing, um, I kind of want to pull all the way back to some of the stuff you said in your childhood and just kind of touch on them, um, if that's cool with you. Not to stop. Of, of course, I mean, no. I'm, no. I'm horrible Stream of consciousness, brother. Yeah, it's down the it's, rabbit hole, so I'm so with I'm you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Raphael, obviously, he's a Libra, so he's happy if he's quiet, but if you want to say or ask anything, obviously, you know you can. So um, I don't have to give him that promotion. He's always like, I know. Uh, so it's like, all right, cool. He's kind of like the caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland, and I feel like, like I don't even know. Cheshire Cat or something. So, um, <laughs> in any event, so you were David Lee Roth. My dad, I mean, my dad, like I was born in 85, so he would show us stuff like Talking Heads and Van Halen and all this kind of stuff. Um, I was not, it, I learned about the Beatles later and Zeppelin later, right? Where I was like, holy shit, classic rock's crazy. But um, one of the best David Lee Roth lines on Hot for Teacher is like, I don't feel dirty or something like that. He's a funny dude. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Quite the entertainer. So it sounds like you were having an interesting life. I'm trying. That's one thing uh, I like, kind of held on my mental fingers to be like, oh yeah, David Lee Roth. So okay, so you went to Hollywood. You're doing all this crazy stuff. Were you? I mean, how confident did you feel with your gifts? Like, were, did you feel prepared, or like it sounded like you wanted to kind of kick into a mode where you were building a foundation for yourself to be the confident on? Did you feel like you were winging it? Like, how did that feel? Given Courtney Cox reading, was she thrilled? Like, how did that work? That's a very good question. Um, you know, that was back in that time. It was all about. I I remember identifying the vibe inside of me, so I. I was, you know, I, I started off like over analyzing. So like I gave her some, you know, chinky um, report I had typed up in word perfect. Okay. Like to really date a software route for software junkies, but I was handing out like the, giving them takeaways, like for them to read on their own. Like, cause I was so insecure that I would miss something or not say something correct. But whenever it came down to the reading, um, you know, I had a lot of, I've always had a lot of gall. Um, and I have different thought, you know, as far as believing in myself, like, um, that I, I know I have this great potential. It's a matter of getting to it. So for me, uh, and I, and the getting to it has been difficult. I mean, I think I'm still working on it, but in that time it was like getting, tapping into the zone is what I called the zone because I realized that once I got into a reading, I would go into this zone where this other voice would just sort of come over and take over. And that zone comes out on camera, by the way. I mean, you know, the, what you see on camera, I have notes and all these ideas, but I honestly have to watch it to know exactly what I said. Sometimes I'm afraid I said something wrong and I play it back to make sure, <laughs> you know, like, because I'm basically so much. You're jamming. I mean, it seems. Exactly. Uh, like a musician. You, yeah. Have you seen, uh, there's, and I'm, this is not a plug. I do not work for Disney, but the, Disney just dropped um, and Pixar a new film called Soul, which I've watched twice gets into the zone i think you'd like it a lot actually it's very woke i mean if kids are going to be watching this instead of toy story like here comes the game change right now so dope shit check it out if you haven't um it's on disney plus uh and stuff like that but yeah no it's well worth it it's it's good shit um and it's about music a little too but anyway talks about the zone that's why i kind of wanted to get to that it's like 
they describe it as something between um, the supernatural and the material world. Kind of like when musicians or actors or people in sports. Uh, also, flow state. I mean, that's what we're kind of talking about. There's a book I read or something at one point about flow state kind of being it's not too hard. You're challenged, but it's something you enjoy. So you're it's pleasurable. And it's like finding that kind of perfect happy medium. It seems when you're jamming, you're, you're doing it. I mean, it's fun watching you give astrology. It seems like what I mean, it's a joy for you, clearly. So a serious joy, dare I say. <laughs> so um, I didn't mean to cut you off. So yeah, like it seemed like you were kind of maybe I mean, everybody probably tries to overcompensate early on in any skill set. With like, oh shit, I'm good at this, and then it's like, I, I, especially with your um, Saturn and eleventh house Gemini, you're probably going to be like, this has to be succinct and full of information. And I don't want to leave anything out, or any, that kind of stuff. Um, yes. How did yes. that? How did that progress? Uh, you were like, I mean, it sounds like you were doing like a lot of readings for people in Hollywood, but like, when did you go uh, with the Soul Garden thing? When did you go like, all right, I'm going to assemble a crew? How did that look? Did you do an astrology school? Did Mike and Palmer, um, like graduate from a certificate certified thing, or was that just like we're kind of a band jamming a lot, like the Grateful Dead, and now I'm on tour or whatever? Um, good question. Um, I would say, you know, so going to the zone is how I got through Courtney Cox to close that up, and um, and it was a very good reading, and I did predict that Friends would end, and I did predict that she'd be in produce that she would produce the uh, be a producer next, and it all turned out correct. So their main question was, is Friends going to continue? And the answer was no. Um, so, but that came intuitively, and it came from my it came from my gut and my and what I was feeling. I saw on the planets. But was she happy about her. that answer? It was a hard answer to give. I mean, that's actually part of like what the zone is about. It's like when you get a vibe inside of you. You have to choose it instead of disappointing the person. And I'm a very easygoing guy. So I was like, no. I mean, I went right into what's going to happen next. You know, I mean, I'm always a positive spinner. But But you live next door to a, you know, know, a a person who can make you a suit. I'm trying to think of the term for that. But yeah, there's always a tailor. Thank you, Gemini. Um, There's always, uh, there's always a positive. I mean, the truth is when something's ending, something is beginning. So let's just move on to what's beginning, you know, is usually my kind of way of doing it. Um, with, you know, with Soul Garden and whatnot, no, I mean, honestly, I was a director. So when I started Soul Garden, I was still working in TV. I actually had been promoted to be a director. My, my boss at that show, she just promoted me as the director of the show the next year, which was like, I went from her assistant to directing the show on new added on lifetime television. And I was directing the wraparounds. So, so I was feeling like super empowered by my, my, myself in television and working in television and, and, and working the grind. That's really where I was, where I learned the ability to put out 13 shows a day, five days a week. You know, it's a, it's a professional industry thing. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a way you do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, so, you know, when Mike and, uh, David came along and also others, uh, Julie Zipper, who is now Julie Day and, um, Skip Jennings and Sadiqa Salter, just to throw out all the names out there, um, who are all great crew and wonderful people still doing their thing. Mostly what I was teaching them was to convert for television. Like I, David said, you know, I don't take credit for David's astrology knowledge. I mean, we have hours and hours of deep conversations and I told him all my beliefs. And when I was working with David, I didn't even have, I wasn't telling him the step system. I was keeping a secret. Like I didn't tell anybody that I was my, that was my, your was my high, <clears throat> zipped mouth moment. 
Right. But I was helping David, you know, because I was a director on television, you know, and very good at it, good at directing people. I was trying to help them come on, you know, get ready for television. And then my vision was like, hey, TV's all going to go to to spirituality at some point. Let's start developing these, you know, tomorrow stars. And that was really my focus with everyone was taking their already existing craft and making it presentable. Like a regular Ed McMahon up in here. Uh, very cool stuff. Uh, a couple questions. I'm uh, kind of a film junkie. I didn't go to. I was an art history dropout. I didn't go to film school. What were some of the things that drove you to do that? And like inspirations. I mean, were you turned on by Lucas and Star Wars and all that stuff, or were you trying to do Andy Warhol's sleep? Like, what was what was pushing you into that direction? Those are a great question. Um, I. I wanted to affect this astrology and, and actually came up at that time in college. I, the, the reason I started the, what I told myself in my head, I was studying astrology for was for character development. Um, well, you're and, not wrong. Uh, ultimately, let's be real in a Joseph Campbellian sort of way. It's like, this is the blueprint script that each of us are kind of jamming off of or whatever. A hundred percent. Actually, I mean, I went to screenwriting, I, you know, I went to the whole school. I wanted to change the world to answer your question. Like, I felt like, and I still feel this way, honestly, with where my life will go in the future. There's some things you just have to show people. You can't tell them. They have to see it. And, um, and I thought, you know, yes, yeah, Spielberg was a huge, I wanted to make films that made me feel like I did when I was watching Spielberg stuff growing up and, um, and Lucas's stuff growing up, you know, and a lot of stuff that I had in the eighties, I was very inspired and I wanted to, to show people worlds we hadn't seen before. And I still have actually my, my ideas, you know, tucked away in my trunk, which would be, which are very, very spiritual, metaphysical in nature. And there's nothing out there like it right now. So I do one day, I think somehow I want to put it out there. I'm not sure where or how, but that maybe when I'm old, um, but character development was where astrology sort of came in because, uh, you know, in, in screenwriting class, flushing out the character is like, there's no formula for that. Um, they don't have a formula for it. You know, you read different, teach different books by different screenwriters. So going through film school, they're like, make you write these, read these different books and stuff of other screenwriters, but no one gave you an A to Z on screenwriting. So Plus I, that's also a very modernist approach. I mean, I think at one point people were very formulaic and not to say that there's nothing, you know, there are advantages to formula and industry standards and kind of stuff like that. But when you're getting into Spielberg or, or ingenuity, kind of that level of things, there's a, there's a, there's an, in, uh, there's a quality that's not teachable. Like it's like the shining or whatever. It's like they have the shine or not. And I think everybody has shines in very different, you know, different arrays or whatever. Um, and even with Spielberg as an example, like the, he's got good films, but without John Williams as a score, um, you know, the music, parts of his films they would be very different animals altogether i mean that creates a high level of magic in and of itself with that not to cut you off but it's just like it's weird because i think when you were kind of in postmodernism to me i mean in an intellectual sense was kind of like kicked around you know whatever in the 50s 40s 60s or not the 40s the 50s and 60s um but it really started permeating culture probably more when you were in school like that i mean people were like yo let's make a clockwork orange or whatever stanley kubrick stuff like that should push the envelope though it was standing on the shoulders of technique that modernity had allowed if that makes sense um anyway i didn't mean to cut you off no i think it's all fascinating um i agree i mean those you you build you build on what's been done you build on the storytelling that's been done you you're taught all the techniques 
you know, going through film school and whatnot. And you're right. It is a whole uh, assembly of art artistry. Um, but at the end of the day, it, what I've learned is it comes down to stories that grip people and characters that grip people. And that is something you really can't is very difficult to teach. And so in screenwriting, um, that's when I started running charts for my characters and, and oh, using, using, that's genius. using it as a tool. And my, my teacher was like, how did you come up with this flaw in him? It's so fascinating. And I was like, <laughs> Pluto on the fourth, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I had just read the chart and I started writing, you know, I was like, Oh, it's gotta be a Taurus. It's gotta be this, you know? And then I would just, you know, imagine the time and then just use the chart to creatively write from. And literally the story wrote itself. That's some meta shit. I was going to say that's God mode uh, kind of stuff. Yeah, it was definitely pushing the envelope. So that was where I was pushing, you know, trying to push the envelope and understand what and understand character and motive. And as far as filmmaking and TV, it was sort of the same thing with like when I had that reading, you know, with Courtney, it was just like, I'm not ready yet. And once I had gone through television and stuff and started working in the spiritual capacity, I realized I really don't have enough things to say yet. I don't have enough life experience. And so I went into this direction of, um, you know, what I call stand up astrology. That makes total sense. So, um, when you were doing the TV and stuff, like it's you're very professional based on looking at your chart. I mean, I'm sure you were crushing it, having a good time. Did you feel dissatisfied? Did you feel that it was preparing you for what you're doing now? Because your presentation is very slick. I mean, it, I mean, it's very you know, it it doesn't feel like shabby. Let's put it that way, right? Where it's like you know what you're doing. Um, how did you view your kind of coming up through those ranks? <laughs> I, well, you know, one thing about TV, when you work in that industry or film, everything, everyone is always, um, whenever you're on a film or you're on a TV set, like everyone is always do wants to do something else. Like no one on the set is there for that job. <laughs> okay. Like everyone is there doing that so that they can one day be a director, one day, something else. And that's sort of the attitude that everyone has. And that's the attitude I had too. I was, the way I looked at it as I was learning on their dime. In fact, I ended up working for this one production company, um, leave my name off productions, Element O Productions. Eric Schatz is the owner. Still love that man. If he ever hears this, um, like a father figure to me. But, you know, I actually saw TV production right when the Macintosh was able to start editing on its own. And so I actually helped that company sort of modernize and, and develop its databases. And so I saw that company come from sort of a manual to digital. And so working for that company for a good seven years uh, total and developing soul garden on the side. So I, the last two years I was in that company, I was doing both, but for me, it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm being paid to learn. And, and when I do my company, I'm going to do it this way instead. So even if I didn't agree with it, I was fine because I knew in my company, I do it differently. That's interesting. I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, sketch comedy duo, Tim and Eric, um, they have an interesting kind of postmodern, weird show called Tim and Eric. Awesome show. Great job. Um, but there was one sketch I remember very distinctly kind of of two people getting makeup, I guess, kind of like pre-production, you know, makeup room or whatever. And they're talking about all the other shows they've been on, kind of comparing resumes or whatever. Sounds kind of like what you're talking about. I, do you think that leads to a toxic environment or is it just like, you know, Pink Floyd, if we all pull together, we've got a machine here, let's do this thing, have a cigar style. Like, um do you, I mean, do people, it's hard to explain what I'm trying to say. Sometimes I think people are like, hell yeah, let's be a part of a project. That's a very different energy than like, I'm biding my time. That's true. I mean, you're on, everyone's on projects. Even if you're on the world's greatest project, 
you know, um, and you're loving it. First of all, when you're in, when you're in production, it's weird. It's sort of like a football team. Like there is like a, there is sort of an, kind of a feeling of you all being a special and together and there's a sort of like vibe about it and it doesn't matter that you plan to one day own this town you know you're in this game right now and you and you're enjoying it and there's a vibe that you that's what i actually miss the most with how internet is gone is that i don't work with creative teams anymore i don't you know everything is out of my own shop you know um, and that was a big part of was that camaraderie it feels really amazing and it's just kind of like um, it's just sort of like a you know like a person who grows up in Europe like you have a wife and you have a mistress you know what I mean like um, people are tied to their current project but they also you know as soon as they, we go to lunch um, and go through craft service they're going to pitch you their idea for their film. Interesting. Yeah, it sounds a little like Saving Private Ryan, like a band of brothers. Um, I played football. I've worked in kitchens, not many kitchens. I'm not culinarily inclined. I've cut off fingertips and stuff, so I've tried to avoid sharp objects. But uh, Gemini and Chiron with Gemini Sun and Moon, as you can imagine, is like, I'm really good with my hands sometimes, uh, but not always. So, yeah, no, the uh, idea of kind of having a crew, um, an intellectual posse, whatever kind of an R gang that you can do stuff with, is there's a spirit. Uh, that feels very um, camaraderie. I mean, that's what we're talking about, very Age of Aquarius stuff. It's like the team, you know, uh, finding the team is what it's all about. Um, I say let's take a quick music break, and then when we come back, we can keep plowing through your life. Um, I, it seems uh, – I don't know how much justice we'll do to some of your systems and stuff, but we'll see what we do with time and shit like that. But uh, we'll take a quick music break. If you want to get some tea, go for it. Um, and I don't know if I picked the song or Raphael, enlighten us, Raphael. You did. It's an air song, I guess. Cool. Air is a Parisian duo. Um, stands for Amour, uh, Imagine and Rev, which is like um, love, imagination, and dreaming. <laughs> They're cool. So hopefully you enjoy the track, and we will be right back. Thank you.
welcome back. Indeed. Uh, I don't know if, um, Christopher, you've been to Paris, France. I've been a few times over the years. I've spent time in uh, Europe, um, Switzerland, and other places. But um, my north, the Midheaven, Venus, Palace, Athena, uh, or Palace, rather, Lilith, are all on 10th House Taurus. Um, and Paris has a very Venusian kind of taurine vibe uh an air being parisian daft punk a stereo lab there's a few bands that just come out of there i'm like oh these these bands crush um they've got a lot of albums air so i don't know if you're familiar with them but well we're scoping if you haven't no thank you for the introduction i like the vibe of it they're kind of famous for playground love which was on um uh sofia coppola did a film called uh virgin suicides they did the soundtrack for that uh that's how i turned on to them but they've got a bunch of stuff before that um, and stuff after, um, yeah, you dig it, I think. And I think I saw the songwriter, the main dude, um, on Red Bull Music Academy. They've had a bunch of people go through there. Um, uh, not David Byrne, but uh, Tina Weymouth and her husband were on there, and uh, Bootsy Collins, people like that. I digress. Um, so I'm kind of curious. Uh, first of all, Raphael, do you have any questions? Thusly? No, it's interesting listening to your story. Yeah, it's been pretty straightforward. We haven't had any turbulent pockets. Uh, maybe now we will. Um, I'm kind of curious about your ontological presuppositions, like your worldview. Um, you're talking about spirit guides. You're talking about like phenomenological kind of um, high weirdness, one could say. I'm all about synchronicity. I'm all about magic. How do you look at the world? Um, I think you've referred to yourself as a Buddhist, if I'm not mistaken, on um, Namaste today. I don't want to presume here. Um, but like, how are you kind of pivoting in the uh, holographic fractal, so to speak. Well, that's very interesting. Um, I, well, yes, I'm a, I'm a practicing Buddhist. I think that's from past life. Um, Buddhism, for me, the practice of it brings me right to my spirit. So I look at it as a tool. I really think I've heard that Buddha was a Taurus too. I don't know where I heard that, but somebody said that and I stuck. I believe it. Cause I dig his vibe, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, he does touch the ground. I talk about grounding, right? It's like, ah, go away. All you crazy temptresses and demons and things and then he kind of gets woke or whatever under the uh bodhi tree i didn't mean to cut you off though um so yeah tell me kind of about your um approach uh to understanding reality well i B buddhism is interesting because it, it first of all I was introduced as a child and then i found a sect of buddhism in my 20s called nitran daishonin i started chanting on a regular basis and it sort of connected me to the to the other realm um though i i mean i believe that we are we are love-based spirits that come down and incarnate i believe that there are many dimensions uh of existence going on in, in any one time i believe we're in the third dimension so um to me uh, buddhism is a practice in the third dimension to be able to connect to the other dimensions and i certainly have had enough you know my own real life experiences of working with the angelic realm too which is a whole nother direction i was introduced to in the angelic realm through a miracle actually um you care uh, to talk uh, about that a little? <laughs> yeah, I realized I was teasing pretty bad there. I was like, "I'm gonna have to talk." Coming to a theater new you, it's like the angelic intervention laid on us. Yeah, I, I, and I was didn't know how I felt about angels or what I believed about angels. Um, but yeah, actually, I told you I'd had this issue with MRSA, this staph infection that was coming up in my leg. It came, it sort of erupted three different times when I was going through karmic transits, actually, and they're tied to past lives. So. In the third time that I was laid out from it, and that was the time when I was realizing um, I can't keep up at this pace. I need to do like 
one show a day, <laughs> seven days a week instead of uh, 13. Uh, there was a point when I hit a real low spot, uh, just totally dark night of the soul. I was starting to think like maybe it was all over. Um, and this, I think I was reliving a past life memory, but I was chanting and at the end of chanting, I had this urge to pray. So in my full heart, I prayed and literally started crying and said, please, I need help. I don't know how to come out of this, you know, and I always have this added pressure of feeling like I'm a spiritual leader myself. And so I have this, you know, my biggest fear, and this is my karma with Chiron and Aries. My karma is I don't want to let people down. Um, I don't want to let the world down. I don't want to fail again. So in that sort of desperate Chiron call, I prayed and cried. And um, then I was like, oh, well, that was helpful. I feel better. Like three days later, I go on my Facebook and there's a Facebook message from some girl in Austria, actually. Interesting, Raphael, uh, who was born in Vienna. Um, so when I saw that, I was like, huh, interesting, um, the connection there. But she reached out to me and she said, Hello, um, my name is so-and-so. I am an angelic reader. Um, we have received your prayer. How may we help you? Seriously. seriously. Yeah. <laughs> That's not like, terribly typical. I don't think you get the email from uh, the higher-ups or whatever. That's, <laughs> that's fabulous. Um, keep going. Yeah, I mean, I was – and it's funny because I just went in subconscious, went in the zone. I was like – right away. And I read that. I'm like, what do you mean? And I could see the little dots. Like she was live right there. And so like, I happened to catch her time difference and all like live in that moment. And she goes, Oh, um, I'm a angelic reader. I do angel readings. Did, did you recently pray for help? Question mark. And I sat there dumbfounded. Is this a clerical error on our end? <laughs> like, there's just no way I'm getting goosebumps telling you right now the story. There's no way. And and I said, I said, I, I don't know what you mean. I, I played, I played, played it cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, well, maybe I'm mistaken. I received, you know, I, re I have been sent to you to help you. I'm an angelic reader. Do you need help? Did you pray? And I was like, yes, I did. You know, and that broke the ice. And Long story well, short. Well, I'm glad you were short. truthful. You didn't have to be. You do have a North Node in Capricorn. You could have been like, you know what? I'm going to be really cynical about this. My first – I did play it cool at first. I mean my first thought was, is this a gag? And um, Or, you know, well, I don't know what my first thought was. I was too dumbfounded. I wanted to believe it and, um, and I wanted to see if it was real. And then long story short, I mean it was. And she basically said – I've been instructed to teach you as long as you need to be taught. And we started meeting on Wednesdays and she started teaching me. This is crazy. She started teaching me all sorts of stuff. And I didn't even believe necessarily in angels, but in our first session that we had, she said, the first thing that they want you to know is you're using the wrong house system. She goes, is that right? A house system? What's a house system? She asked me. I'm like, are you mean house system in astrology? She said, I, I think so. They said a house system. I said, yeah. She said, well, I said, well, what'd they say? She said, use equal. <laughs> what have you been using? I've been using Placidus. That's kind of the gold standard, I believe. Just, I mean, as far as I could tell, uh, people tend to use that, uh, you know, astro.com, stuff like that. Um, you could change it. Like we were, and looking at your chart, you sent me an equal sign. I've been using whole sign, kind of similar. I can't get into the micro details of the difference. Um, so, 
I mean, it sounds like she's – that's fascinating. She's not just telling you hyper, you know, feel good woo or something like, oh, you're going to be blessed. It's like really pertinent to the situation at hand, it seems. Well, she went further. She said they want you to run your chart in equal system. And she said they want you to notice where Pluto moves. And I was like, okay. And so I ran, I ran the chart. She said, I want, I want you to look at Pluto. Look at Pluto. She didn't say where it moves. I noticed it, it moved. It moved from the third house to the second, um, from equal to plas, you know, from plasis to equal. And that has such a profound effect on me in that one moment. I mean, I almost cried because I had a, I have a, I have a mother who's a cancer with the son in the 12th house. She's very, she's in her own world. And I had always worried about my mental health. Like I'd always thought with Pluto in the third house, I'm going to have mental health issues. Like I'm going to go over the, something's going to go wrong. And then suddenly it moved to the second and it's like, oh, bad with money? Uh, no shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm really bad with money. But in that moment, I, I w- they, the angels healed me because I had been interpreting my chart to make myself out to a destiny that was not my destiny. And they used astrology and she clearly did not know what the F she was talking about. She used a pendulum to spell this stuff out, she said, and literally type like letter by letter got the equal system or whatever. So that was when I realized, wow, okay, there's something to this angelic realm. I had many other experiences with them and with her and through meditation that sort of showed me. And from that point on, that's when I started down the path of probably being a sensei versus an astrologer, because I realized more holistic in a sense. uh, I'm here to help you. I want to help you ascend. I want to help you as a coach. I want to help you with your spirituality Astrology is the tool I use, but I also use my guides and I also work with the angels. I would say since that point, I feel like I get it. I get angelic intervention in readings often, and you can tell the difference as far as how it feels inside. So I have sort of this poly, poly spiritual view. (laughs) Syncretic. I mean, I'm at a, I think we're all kind of at a point post 2012, definitely kind of you know, baby stepping into the age of Aquarius. I mean, I don't think we're there. I don't think the water's broken yet, but like the tummy's bulging. That's the internet, Bitcoin, fucking hadron colliders, all this stuff, quantum computing. Like we're getting there, it seems. Um, that's just the tech tech part of Aquarian. Um, so it sounds like switching that Pluto from third to second house, the thing that came to mind was Harrison Ford was a carpenter on Star Wars set. And then he like read for Han Solo. It's like that. It's like, oh, you're doing the wrong thing, bro. Get over here. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I didn't know that about Han Solo. That's right? Funny. No, that was his first gig. He, I mean, Harrison Ford, he's like a household name. Uh, random break like that. Someone was like, hey, you want to read? I mean, I don't know the details exactly, but it was like he was a carpenter on the set. And he was like, I'll read for a part. And then, you know, Han shot first is a thing now. So very uh, – Indiana Jones is like <laughs> my soul – a totem or something like that. Very curious and adventurism or something. So, um, how long did that Morpheus kind of, uh, Vienna chick, how long did you partake with her in that kind of exchange? Like, was it a lifelong, I mean, are you still doing it or was that kind of a season of life? Um, no, it was a season. I mean, the end of that story ended up that her and I had past life stuff ourselves. And we, we found that, uh, the angels had sort of brought us together for other reasons too. It wasn't, um, and so we ended up having our own sort of karma that we ended up clearing, and then parted. Having now we're now we watch each other from across the seas, but we haven't spoken again. <laughs> so Fascinating. far, far. Yeah. So um, I'm curious when you talk about angels and stuff. Do you believe these are like 
do you agree with like the Bible and stuff like that? Or do you think these are ways of humans trying to grok energies with archetype in our culture and things like that? How do you look at, you know, when you say spirit guide, are you talking about like Poseidon guides me or are you like the spirit of the ocean? Do you see what I'm saying? Like how anthropomorphized are you about it versus kind of how, how much do you think we're interpreting a quote, uh, you know, not poorly, but like in a human way. Very interesting. I'd say that's an evolving opinion. In fact, I just saw a series on Gaia from Matthias de Stefano uh, called Initiation. Have you guys heard of that or probably have, not? I've heard of Gaia, but I haven't uh, seen anything on it yet. Yeah, this guy, I'm giving him the credit. He, he really filled in a lot of the gaps for understanding. I mean, I knew that um, – I know from her speaking to this reader – the, angel, the angels are basically God's police force. So as far as the hierarchy is concerned, anything that creator wants created is actually done by the angelic realm. And from what I understand, the so angels... It's like Santa's elves or something. It's like, we'll make the toys, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good analogy. Yeah, you are Master Gemini. Yeah, like Santa's elves. Like, so, and then listening to Matthias, he has a great series called Initiation. He explains everything from the... Uh, first dimension to the ninth dimension in that series. And what he describes, and it resonated, is that the angels are actually like our great-grandparents, that our souls are uh, are basically future, like offspring of the angelic energy. The, the angel, angelic energy is holding the space for all of life. And in astrology, it seems like they're sort of holding the archetypal space as well. You know, like the energy of Pluto and the energy of Saturn originate probably from angelic energy interesting and um i don't know i mean i think i've heard you talking about atlantis you're talking about past lives uh, i'm not against this i'm i mean the only reason let's put it this way the only reason we have a podcast right now that we're on is because rafael and i talked at some point i posted a dmt trip i had from a few years ago where i was talking had a kundalini activation i was talking to like egyptian deities and crazy weird stuff that i wasn't ready for i posted it he hit me up um, so he, Raphael's, even though he's a little younger than me, has kind of been my uh, go-to in terms of um, new age kind of thinking. Like I just wasn't on that wave. So he turned me on to uh, Bashar. Uh, he's way more into Bashar than I am, but I'm you know, aware of him now. Um, we used to be doing um, Lisa Royal Holt, I think her name is. I've got the deck Galactic Heritage cards. Um, the reason I'm saying all this is like, uh, well, when Jupiter entered Sag, I was like willing. Actually, we're going to have this lady on the, um, her name's Lightstar. Uh, I was willing to like concede. I was like, I'll try, maybe, maybe light language is like an archetype of young, like a Jungian archetype extending. So like we used to have knights in shining armor and now we're getting into like Pleiadians and Dracos and shit. Cool. Like I, I don't know how to understand it in a sense. And I don't think there's a way to fully understand it. Um, but how are you apprehending those kinds of domains? Like what, what do you think Atlantis is? Do you think it's, I mean, I'm not trying to pin you down, but it's like, we've had podcasts on this. Um, some people think it's like an, energetic epoch some people you know mainly b hall slash um emerald tablets of thoth are talking about a very historically in a sense like this was a you know a real kind of pre-diluvian situation um which kind of ties into the whole graham hancock you know uh catastrophic kind of uh comet hitting the uh ice shelf or whatever twelve thousand years ago um i think it's called the upper Dry, younger driest period i'm rambling but the point is i'm kind of like and there's no right or wrong answer and i kind of want Raphael if he wants to chime in at any point um how are you looking at what channeling is how are you looking at what like fairies are or aliens or atlantis any of this kind of stuff like how do you index it in your own reality tunnel 
Okay. Um, actually, you hit on quite a you hit on quite a topic. I know. I just blew open the uh, whole rabbit hole. So it's like oh. pick a pick a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! Well, first of all, I've got a story to tell. When I was growing up with my you know pseudo Jedi father, he would tell me stories about how he was in Atlantis and how he was responsible, partly responsible for its destruction. So I actually grew he up. Does with some heavy shit. I know. I know, right? No one can relate to it. Like, it's like, imagine, you know, the first time I tell a girl I'm dating stuff like that, you know, it's like, uh, my dad pulled know. the lever on the laser or whatever happened. Who knows? Crystal, tech, fire crystal, fire. technically fire crystals. And my dad would, we'd go on these road trips and be like, yep, I, I'm getting memory, son. And he would tell me the stories. Basically they, they were in a war and they were abusing the fire crystals and they're also using sex and works, you know, changing genetics for sex and work slaves um, and, you know, creating a population, you know, a subservient population. They very were dark about, crystal. You know, very dark crystal. Actually, dark crystal is pretty much along those lines. And so, so I grew up with that sort of story, did not know what I thought about it. Um, but there was, I went to, it finally became clear to me when I. Like, uh, Dad, just talk the baseball. Just like, come on, like, let's <laughs> hang out. Like, he's that like, was, but I'll ruin the Atlantis 2.0. Well, totally. And he's very, he, he kind of saw himself as Gandalf, you know, like uh, Gandalf the gray, certainly not the white. Um, so I had a weird father like that, but that was always dad. Dad always was going down this tangent, but that's why I felt I had the courage to go on YouTube, you know, you know, at, at age 33 and start talking about astrology when it wasn't very popular back then. Cause I grew up sort of normalizing this with parents that were so, I grew up in the trenches of, of woo. <laughs> Oh yeah. And I lived in the Bible belt at one point. So it's like my, my pot smoking hippie parents, you know, was something I always had to normalize. And I think that's part of the reason why I've gone as far as I've gone, because I can normalize this weird stuff, uh, for people like put it in terms. Uh, but I went to get a psychic reading. I did a trade for a psychic reading in LA and I get in this, this is somewhere in Venice and I go in and the house is full of paintings of aliens and all sorts of stuff. And I sit down with this woman who I was referred to. And as soon as we sit down, she's, she goes, oh, my God. And I was like, what? You know, like, what? Like, what's up? Like, of course, as a person, she's like, she goes, your father in Atlantis is the one that killed my lover. Your father is the one that did this to me and goes off on this whole thing. And I was like, holy shit, Jesus. I guess dad was telling the truth. Yeah, I mean that's hard to kind of make up on the fly like that. Oh, I mean, if I didn't live it, I couldn't tell. It was it blew my mind. So for me, I was like, okay, I'm starting to think this Atlantis thing is true, you know. Um, and so I've been studying for a while and looking. At, so what do I look at? I think we actually are an Earth that was crafted by aliens. I mean, and this is the Mateus uh, particular. Uh, will tell you goes into depth about this. He, he this kid on this series has an ability. He says to have full memory of all of his past lives. So he just tells you everything. And you, I and you don't feel this, that's like a marketing ploy. You feel like it's kind of like solid, evidentially speaking. I mean, coming from a, a, a Eric trying, I, I want to like how much energy should I? It seems like you think it's compelling. Let's put it that way. Well, it, you know, as far as stuff comes down, I mean, people. I had the same issue with the, with the step numbers. I mean, I downloaded the step numbers. I put them into practice. I was very afraid that people would not believe in something that I downloaded. And, you know, that's part of the process. And so I guess when you're in front of a person like that, and there's a lot of them on Gaia, and I'll say it's hit and miss. I watch different things on Gaia. I'm not like a huge, I tune in when I'm in the mood, you know what I mean, for that sort of stuff. But it comes down to like, it either resonates that the person is lying to you or, or they're not. Like, and it comes down to they believe it. 
But in his particular case, I just agreed. It, it all resonated with, with what I understood uh, and what I'm tending to believe. And he's not the only one talking this way. I mean, it appears that the earth was deliberately created by the angels, first of all, from what I understand. I, um, that it was an angelic creation. So God didn't create earth. The angels did. And from, and from what I understand and have studied that um, different alien species in the Milky Way um, deliberately populated the earth with life and have been populating the earth with life from the very beginning. This is their blue marble, as they call it, which is this garden in the corner of the Milky Way. Apparently, it's very difficult to find. It's sort of hidden. And Matthias tells a story of like how different alien species came here and what they, each one of them ended up sort of putting into the pot for the purpose of humans being very incarnatable, like the whole point, and Sirius actually was one of the main uh, civilizations that helped to populate the earth, apparently. Now, my company, Sirius Joy, comes from the fact that I always felt that I was from Sirius. Um, and, I, and I have a whole other story about that, like of another holy shift. Like I have a lot of stories. But um, so my per personal connection to Sirius um, is that. But uh, the earth has basically been groomed. Humans have been groomed. And Atlantis was uh, an intergalactic population that was deliberately created. As far as the Garden of Eden is concerned, a lot of those fables, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that of Atlantis and its attempt to be a perfect society at the time, but it was far from perfect. They were very warring and aggressive. Raphael, you've been quiet. you have anything to chip in here? Because we're a little out of my pay grade, so to speak. I'm turning onto this now. I've had, um, it's ironic, uh, I met my fiance on uh, Leo King's spiritual dance music chat room. <laughs> um, wow. That's yeah, awesome. She, Does he know that? Make sure he, you tell uh, him that. No, I told him in an email, but I'll make sure to double tell, tell him. Um, yeah, she's in England. I'm over here in the States. Um, and obviously COVID has made things problematic because this is post COVID. But um, she had these psychics before I basically, I started having, I mean, I won't go long into my shit. I started having these Kundalini activations when I started talking to her, like basically my legs started tingling and all sorts of weird shit. And I'm like, what's going on phenomenologically? This is not normal. And she's like, Oh, well there's this, uh, that we've actually had them on. They're called it's you guru, uh, candy and Laura. Um, they have their own little thing going on. And, um, they're like, Oh, they've got this half off deal. Go get a reading. I asked five questions kind of thing. I was like, all right, I've never gone to a psychic. I was into astrology, psychedelics, tarot. I've done a lot, but I was like, all right, I'll try it. I went to them and I was kind of like, you know, all right, I'll ask you random shit. Like what, you know, star seeds am I dealing with? Uh, you know, it, it, this kind of stuff, past life stuff. Basically they were like the girl you were, I was in Australia in, this time last year. And they were like, she was your daughter in your past life. And the girl you're talking to now is your divine counterpart. Um, this kind of stuff, just heavy word shit. But they also said I was from, had some serious connections and things like that. Um, the reason I'm bringing all this stuff up, it's like, I'm not sitting here always just being like, Oh, I get it. Like, it doesn't hit me like that. I think I doubt too much with Chiron and Gemini and being a sun and moon Gemini. Um, I just overthink it and don't just let it be, but there's a lot more to the picture than the eye, uh, that meets the eye. It's a holographic kind of like layered cake. So it's not that you're one thing or another, it's multiplicity of things happening at once. But I think Raphael, you could probably speak on that more eloquently than I can. I'm pretty sure anyone here <clears throat> and anyone listening has got a pretty interesting backstory. It's, yeah, I don't know, to me, at least once, I guess, <laughs> now I'm thinking about the reset stuff again, thinking about ancestors, you know, who, who knows their ancestors and their cultures, just as everyone is related to many different human cultures. If we assume that 
you know, life didn't just originate on Earth, also humanoid life, then it's only natural to assume, well, just like, you know, uh, your ancestors probably at some point migrated potentially to North America, for example. Well, it seems oh, seem this is what, what Austria, I think he was saying in an email at one point. Right. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, even in, there's, I have relatives carrying my name that also emigrated at some point. But just taking that very simple example, it's just obvious that then, you know, if there's other planets or planes of existence, even with humanoid life, and they have the ability to travel, well, those shall be our ancestors. And whether we speak of religion or, you know, new age channelings or uh, holy scriptures, as we know by now, this is what they all seem to be referring to, star peoples, so on and so forth. What gets weird for me, I guess, is, um, and I don't have an issue with it, but there seems to be kind of like tensions in my own mind between having to choose kind of camps of thought. Um, the whole Bashar thing is more like every, or in, I mean, I'm not sure who, maybe many people say this, but it's like, it's all holographically happening now. So it's like, whatever the Pleiadians are, it is you. And it, whatever, you know, the Greys and his model are like future versions of us coming back in an Ouroboros feedback loop, kind of like interstellar uh where they kind of see the shimmering people and it's them in, an, in another moment hopefully i'm not spoiling this for people um yeah so it, it gets weird christopher what kind of how, how do you parse that i mean do you think your dad i mean clearly that your dad getting called out on multiple he says it somebody else says it this seems verifiable let's just say um at, at least at a, at a level um how are you looking at time <laughs> Um, and karma and and is this a hologram is uh, how do you look at the whole thing that's kind of what i'm getting at and i didn't mean to cut you off with all that randomness sorry oh no it's all brilliant randomness and fun to listen to jim <laughs> just don't uh don't let your chiron uh take you down there or doubt it um i it's a karma to me so i think whenever you create a cause from what i've understood now this is buddhism i mean i study lots of different religions lately i've been you know, in college, I studied all the religions and started to boil down what they sort of all came down to and what they said commonly. And one thing I definitely believe in is this is a there's sort of a law of the matrix where if you create something, it, it has to come back to you. And that's the circular nature of consciousness. Anything you create, you must receive. You, anything you put out there, you must receive back to you. That's the cause and effect nature. So, um, and I've been studying the path of ascended masters. So in the last couple of years, my studies has gone towards Ascended Masters in St. Germain. I don't know if that rings a bell for Raphael. And Ascended Masters are allegedly humans that were able to rise above the earth condition, that they, they rose their vibration to such a state that they were able to leave 3D and go to 5D at will and come back and forth to 5D. So my current thinking, and this is all part of the path of the yogi, so you know, yogis and yoga in the Himalayas and Ayurvedic medicine, all that is actually science around ascension and bringing ourselves to that, uh, to bringing ourselves to a higher vibration with our own free will. So my belief is that we have to, we have to receive all of the karma we've created. So we have to complete, um, we have to complete our lifetimes. And this is part of what I'm really good in a reading. So I'm very, very psychic. Um, and I say that confidently now, 12 years after questioning it, you know, last time Jupiter's Aquarius, I would have questioned it in readings. I get flashes of people's past lives, um, all the time. And then it's very, does that freak you out? Oh no, not at all. I love it. I mean, um, 
it's just a flash. It's just like the way it looks in my third eye is it's almost like the room was dark and a flash bulb goes off. And so I get this like cute, suddenly the room lights up. I see the whole scene. I can feel everything. I can feel what the characters are doing. And then the, the scene fades away. And I get a lot of that. Um, and what I'm really good in my chart, I, I work with Archangel Ratziel. So I work with a specific angel. This all came about from, you know, what came out of those angel readings that I work specifically with one angel, Archangel Ratziel. He's the angel that's responsible for, um, who oversees everyone comprehending their story, comprehending their life, comprehending their past lives. So I, in particular in readings, what I mostly am doing, actually, what I do for almost every person who gets a reading, the first thing we do is we talk about your past lives, where you're screwed up and how you're still fumbling with that and helping a person to, uh, to stop repeating it because we're sort of, we're creatively obsessed subconsciously with what we have failed at. We're, that's what Chiron is. Chiron is where you failed and you failed horribly. In fact, in my readings, Chiron is the king all and be all. And I believe Chiron is the ruler of Virgo. I don't believe Virgo is attached to Mercury. I don't believe those are visible planet perspectives. I have a different sort of far out approach. And my approach is that Earth rules Taurus and Chiron uh, rules uh, Virgo. And Chiron is the 11th step, the step where everything comes together into full alignment, which is what 1111 is. So most of, most of my readings and my counsel and everything in my service, Serious Joy, is the same thing is helping you to identify those subconscious programs. I mean, in this practical life now, they are subconscious programs that make you say the wrong thing at dinner and make you make the wrong choice uh, to identify them, to heal them, and to overcome them for the purpose of uniting your 12 states of awareness inside of you. And to, my vision is help the client unite their light. And then once your light is united, none of you is fighting you which is what the past life stuff is, the subconscious stuff is, one part of you is okay with it, one part of you is not okay with it, um, and, and making yourself okay with yourself. And that, to me, begins the ascension process. So my me-ligion, I call it a me-ligion, my me-ligion is that we are children of God and we're learning how to be God. I believe that we are the greatest thing that God has ever created yet, um, the farthest extension of his, her energy, um, and that our job is to wake up and understand that we are God. And as we begin to understand that, I believe we elevate through the dimensions and, and into the higher realms. That's my personal belief. Way down with it. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of solipsism. I bring it up a lot on here. Uh, it's where it's like almost kind of like Vanilla Sky style where it's like uh, – if you're familiar with that film where um, – Basically, I'm not. You have to tell me. Oh, you got it, dude. I got to turn you on to some good shit. Uh, I'm a culture junkie. I can help you here. Um, it's a Tom Cruise movie. I'm not all about Tom Cruise movies. He's got a couple good ones and a couple not great ones. But um, uh, it's based off of a Spanish play, I think, originally. And I won't blow it. But basically, um, same thing. Kind of. Uh, I'm trying to think of other. Uh, Inception does a good job of this, where it's like, oh, we're inside my consciousness, and these are all projections of me. Solipsism would be something like, I mean, in an in a weird quantum way, it's like you are not Christopher Wittek. You're an extension of a personality appendage of me, and I'm experiencing you through myself outside of myself, the as within, so without kind of made weird. Um, I, I, maybe I'm saying a lot of words that make no sense here, but like, how do you, okay. Uh, how do you look at individualism, like the self and uh, like, you know, charts, these are very particular snowflake aspects of the Tao, if you want to put it that way, um, in relation to, uh, the unity of it all, I guess. If we're God, it kind of play playing itself through all these appendages. Like, how do you break that down? Um, and and another thing that kind of came to mind when you were saying this is like, 
I guess, uh, and this kind of gets addressed in Soul, which I think you should watch. You'd like it. Um, you got to start that pendulum of back and forth karma um, rehab or whatever through action. So it's not. It's almost like whether it's good or bad, all the decisions are just playing out. I, I don't. Do you believe in good and evil in a sense? Um, these are heavy questions, I know, but I've got to these cover are good, a lot of bases. They're good questions. Um, and you know, I recently have had changes with this. That you know. The one series I mentioned, Initiation, he had talked about it, and it made a lot of sense that, um, you know, good and bad, light and dark, it's really positive and negative energy. And from what I understand, and this is me, this is across all sorts of, I mean, I'm not just talking about this one series. I've read Conversations with God. I've studied, you know, um, I've studied a lot of stuff across different religions. And um, and so it appears, and I think I lost my train of thought there. I'm sorry about that. I'm not sure where I oh, went. Cool. Good and evil. Like, of good course, and evil. Manly Thank you. Pa- Thank you. Manly P. Hall talks about it. Um, and once we talk right, about this, like, right. is Bill Gates going to microchip us? Is he actually being evil? Or right, right. Um, is he kind of some bodhisattva that's actually playing through the veil, causing us to stub our toe to lift our leg to evolve to a higher plane or something like that? The answer is we're, you know, when we come from singularity of God, we divide into negative and positive charge, which, which turns into evil and turns into good, uh, as far as the way we, we sort of, the, those forces are sort of laid out. Um, from what I understand in the universe, though, there are spirits that are sort of tied to each way, spirits that are tied to uh, ascension through negativity, through darkness. So there are souls who literally want to ascend by accumulating more darkness to get higher and higher in that sort of twisted way, which is, you know, uh, to some degree, the way it would be like for heroin, for instance, you know, it's like may give you a high, but it's actually slowly destroying you, you know? So to me, it's like left hand path kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And there are souls that gravitate towards that process. And from what I'm learning, there are souls that sort of prefer that process. Um, the truth of the matter is we're both, it depends on what mode we happen to be in. We have a choice between both of these. I can be constructive. I can be destructive. What the Buddhists and a lot of the enlightenment teachers talk about is neutrality. Neutrality is power. The ascension, uh, the ascension into becoming an ascended master is finding that neutrality, which is not denying the evil and not living, you know, and living all in the positive, right? Like, um, you have to know that the evil is there and obviously not being in the evil and, and avoiding what love is. So I do believe that there are souls who are tied to one more than the other. I do believe that there are, um, that the angels of light allow dark to happen. So there's definitely a conspiracy. Um, the only time that angels will intervene from what I understand is when you go off your own life path. But, uh, but people do need to fall into the negative in order to appreciate the positive. So in that sense, yes. Uh, so it's like this particular moment, will the world fall into a virus? Well, I do believe that evil is behind this particular situation. Um, but I also believe that the light was fully aware so that the people, so that people would wake up. Right. It's permitted. I mean, it's, I mean, like the saying goes, no mud, no Lotus. So it seems we have to, for, for reasons I can't quite grok, um, we, you know, Buddha would say it's suffering, um, Maya and, and samsara kind of in Hindu terminology, um, creation groaning in a, in a, um, a Pauline kind of Christian sense. Uh, it seems that we're in a machine of polarity that's striving towards perfection through imperfection, which makes it perfectly perfect as it is. I mean, in a Taoist sense, it seems like everything's in harmony, although some I Ching, you know, 
hexagrams are very negative sounding where it's like, oh my gosh, nothing's going your way. Retreat, hide or whatever. And some were like ever that, you know, and there's 64 kind of variations on that. Um, Raphael and I have talked about this at length because I was struggling for a long time coming from more of a Judeo-Christian background. And even like I said, with the DMT trip I had, I've had an astral body or out-of-body experience once where I met what I perceived was Jesus, but I'm not really sure how that works. Um, so it seems like some of these archetypes are um, stuck. And ironically, even that, those psychics who I hit up uh, that my fiance suggested were like, oh, you helped write this book. I forget what it's even called. Um, the keys of Enoch or something like that help channel that. I'm like, it gets weird really quick because I'm like, I don't know how to identify that personally versus an energy that I have within me versus like a crew soul tribe that I'm trying to do stuff with. I digress. But the point is, um, it seems you've said this before and I believe it. it's earth school. I mean, this is a, a place to learn through experience. Um, and there's many ways to do that, obviously. Uh, Raphael, if you have any kind of thoughts on that, because we've talked about it forever and I know you're probably I feel like Raphael, like straight up, is the caterpillar just being oh, and I'm like oh my god, which way is up? Oh my god, which pill do I take? Or you know whatever. <laughs> um, and he seems a little more settled on it. Um, I guess I just doubt it. Doubt's not the right word. I just I think it's more complicated than people think, but even somehow more simple than our human minds create. It gets tricky. I guess is the best way I could put it. I am rambling, Raphael. Anything you got to say? Can rephrase this into a very simple question because this is a related question we had just not long ago, which is the question: uh, What you would say whether you believe that we can understand this? And of course, I have an idea about your answer, but I'd love for you to answer because the belief in one's fundamental ability to comprehend, even though it may still be infinitely complex and you know ineffable, ultimately. But at least the belief in one's ability to understand, at least in practical and relevant terms, more than what one may have had understood up to this point, understood up to this point, is an absolute prerequisite for any, you know, spiritual development, any self-knowledge, any insight, any increase in self-worth and self-love. Is it not? It's like a permission slip, as Bashar would say. If you permit yourself to think it's possible, it is. And if you don't, it makes it quite a different battle. Yeah, I'm kind of saying like, if you don't, it just makes no practical sense whatsoever. But Christopher, what would you say? Well, that's an interesting paradoxical question. I I believe it comes down to what people are ready for. Um, I, 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 I believe that we believe it's ca we're capable of understanding, but I don't think in human form, just understand the architecture of incarnation um, that a human is an aspect with a very specific tied perspective. And that's sort of what the astrology chart is that you sign up for a perspective. And from what I'm learning, um, so yeah, I believe as a human, I don't think it, we're capable in this particular form to understand the full nature of the entire universe. We can but, fly but, too high to the sun and have our wings melt seemingly. <laughs> Well, just so many ascended masters and other and other channels. When you read different channels and stuff, they just will stop and say you, you're not, you can't comprehend this in your state. They just stop and tell you they can't tell you. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to get it. There's no way. And I, yeah, I just just to say that, uh, thank you. And I would make the same observation. I would just say, but it doesn't matter anyhow. That's not what's practical right now. We're barely looking, you know, to get out of late third density, finally understand fourth density, and you know however you want to put it. So I'm kind of like saying, if everyone understands the preschool material, 
we're already pretty well off. We don't need to go asking like, where's the professor, you know? <laughs> that's, uh, that's a good perspective. And actually, Raphael, you say it brilliantly. I mean, that's sort of, I agree with you 100% as far as what I do, as far as teaching and helping others. It's like, I called it soul garden because I called it, it was kindergarten for the soul. Um, you're right. We have these big questions, but where are we? We're just realizing that we're energy. Like we're very, we're just now crawling out. And, um, and I think that's part of the process too. From what I understand, you know, we are all knowing before we are born and we deliberately erase all of that. Uh, I think part of this experience is the singularity singling out one particular experience and excluding the rest of the universe. You're, you've got to watch Soul because now, especially when she says Soul Garden, um, not only isn't the namesake, but uh, it gets into pre-incarnational personality formation, souls deciding, you know, what lessons and sparks, like basically as Bashar would say, the highest excitement, what's driving you, um, this kind of stuff. And then you come on Earth and it's like you had an idea of what you wanted then you came down and it's not exact like it it's not incorrect. It's just like it didn't it translates differently down here. Whatever this place is, it's like. Um, and it's tricky because sometimes I feel like very much like, especially with psychedelics and stuff, I'm like, everything's fucking awesome. This is an illuminated fucking you know, place. It's all in spirit anyway. Materiality is an illusion um, in a weird way. Um, and we're just dreaming this thing together, kind of like Krishna, play your flute. Go on, bro. Or, you know, whatever. Um, and then sometimes it's like, oh, shit, like these, there's forces of nature that do not care about us. And it took a long time for us to evolve outside of a campfire where we just killed people we didn't know outside of our tribe. You know, it's like it's also very violent and almost like hostile, right? The universe or uh, the nature of the earth and stuff. Um, it is a paradox. I mean, I think as a double Gemini, I can say clearly I understand that. But that to say you Let understand paradox is kind of crazy. Question. Go for it. Go for it. So, because of course it's understandable, you know, opening up these perspectives and, you know, then they say the truth is between the two poles strung up somewhere. I'm about to say crucified. But what I'd like to ask then is, I can very much grok the idea everything seems super hostile and so on. And as I always like to reiterate, the reason that I'm doing anything is because I just have a very low pain threshold, you know, that's all. Um, however, then I would also ask the question, is it not very much a matter of perspective that everything is seen as being hostile? And we also had this discussion before in terms of even when you talk about touch or attack in German is angreifen, means attacking, but it also means touch at the same time. So, you know, where do you draw the line and how much does it have to do with our own perspective? And of course, also very much with how we actually structure human uh, interaction where you know we also obviously have a, a lot uh, to learn and integrate that we get this going on the next level and what's funny is what you're kind of addressing it's always funny to me because i'm very much about um at least trying striving for equality i think we're equal in very many ways but the idea of a democratized experience i think we're kind of discussing in weird ways it's like some people might have a lot of orion trauma and that's going to play you know maybe they have a word for touch that also means attack or whatever which is going to create a very different culture and cultural artifacts and stuff um that'd be the that'd be the germans uh, and also if i'm not completely mistaken now black white and red is also at least some variant of the German Empire flag, which is at least the same colors as the Orion Empire flag. So, you know, uh, same as it ever was. Do what was. the world with it. Yeah. 
so yeah, but the, uh, that's kind of where it's weird. I think we're starting, and I don't know about your presuppositions, Christopher, but it seems like, um, especially for me personally, maybe it was always possible, but I think collectively we've crossed a threshold point with 2012, and maybe that's not an exact point, obviously, um, Mayans, thoughts of McKenna, all these people, but it seems ever ever since about that time, um, it feels like... Uh, I don't know, like if we're getting sucked into a uh, whirlpool, like, I mean, the singularity is, a, you know, this transcendental object at the end of time is what McKenna would call it, or, you know, the New Jerusalem in a Christian sense, or the Hopi prophecy, rainbow warrior stuff. Like, it seems like we're kicking into a level of understanding ourselves that actually fundamentally changes elements of our interaction with it. So if we're, you know, healing certain traumas, maybe in a holographic sense that deals with Pleiadian Orion Wars or whatever that story is. Um in simultaneous terms, um, if you know what I'm kind of saying, I'm kind of rambling again. Oh no, I see. I see what you're saying. Um, I'm not sure where you're heading with it, but uh, well, I, I, I have hope, I guess. And for a long time, it was like, what's the point of this? And I think it's not that we're going to get to an aha moment where it's like done, but I think we're going to. I mean, the neat, like like McKenna's whole thing with Stone Ape theory, right? So I'm not sure if you believe in that or not. But it seems like various or the Renaissance is maybe a better time to talk about Da Vinci. Before him, people like couldn't draw 3D stuff, and it was kind of awkward drawings and stuff. They didn't have perspective, right? And he comes in, he's like sings a song called Perspective, and everybody kind of upgrades. Um, actually, in a Terrence Malick film called Tree of Life, which is really good, there's a moment where kind of compassion enters the matrix where a dinosaur chooses not to kill another dinosaur and it's like things got to start somewhere like you were talking about cause and effect like at some point somebody makes a decision and says i will be merciful and then like mercy's now an algorithm in the machine or whatever um then it seems then, go ahead jim let me throw in a quote also in regards to perspectives maybe this helps you know one can only reiterate these ideas in infinitely often and i guess also rephrase them and then one discovers that as I content, of course, and not just me, all the mystics and ascendant masters and so on, they all talk about the same thing. I have just one brief answer from Ra asking about the higher self and the idea that um, so the higher self operates from the future. And uh, in other words, my higher self would operate from what I consider to be my future. Is this correct? And Ra says, I am Ra. From the standpoint of your space time, this is correct. And then further, he says, speaking of higher self and this, these perspectives and what is, you know, future self, higher self, so on. I am Ra. To simplify this concept is our intent. The higher self is a manifestation given to the late sixth density body-mind-spirit complex as a gift from its future, future selfness. The mid-seventh density's last action before turning towards the allness of the creator and gaining spiritual mass is to give this resource to the sixth density self, moving as you measure time in the stream of time. This self, the mind-body-spirit complex of late sixth density, has then the honor, duty, of using both the experiences of its total living bank or memory of experienced thoughts and actions, and using the resource of the mind-body-spirit complex totally left behind as a type of infinitely complex thought form. In this way, you may see yourself, your higher self or oversoul, and your mind-body-spirit complex totality as three points in a circle. The only distinction is that of your time-space continuum. All are the same being. 
word. That's fascinating. That's from Ra, the book of Ra? Yes, the law of oneness. I have not. It's, on, uh, it's on my it's bookshelf. He's given me the speaking yeah. to me. Well, the right, thing no. is, this is, uh, in a sense, and I, to my own, you know, dishonor in that sense, I haven't read set, but then again, these things just have to get rechanneled and retranslated and put a new golden frame around so people will go check it out. As far as I can see, this is very much checking out with all the stuff that Seth uh, has channeled or Jane Roberts has channeled. And it's just nice because Ra is also quite nicely goes into the, he's like, you know, describing densities and giving you a structure and it doesn't mean it's the end all be all but it's really useful to start thinking about these things and give some nice images like imagine there's eight density the eighth actually already being the first of the next octave in a sense same thing he's explaining the chakra system in this case that the seventh chakra is the combination of the energy of all the other six and then just imagine you have you already super you know advanced entity and the very last act before all you there is left to do is not helping anymore but just you know merging with source and your last act is you still kind of gift your shell or something to the next uh, level below you know to get all of this process rolling it's just uh, i would say fascinating to imagine that also visually well done and, and you're you're painting telepathic pictures you uh, i can see the pictures i think in your head that you send interesting because uh, i uh i love structure like that and it seems like the universe as i hear it when what you were saying about three points in the same circle it seems that you know there is no such thing as space and time we just are and so incarnation seems to be just this path along this circle um that you go back to you you, you basically separate from source and return to source and I love the description there. It's like the higher self is simply you further along the circle. We just had uh, Jamie Janover on the other day on the 200th episode, and he's Nassim Harriman's kind of like dude. He's actually in Denver, I think, um, does a bunch of festivals, Sonic Bloom, and did Burning Man stuff. But it, he presented, I mean, his resonance project um, does a really good job of trying to explain this whole fractal model where kind of what Rafael was saying, where it's like it just a repeating pattern infinitely. Um, and from one, you know, step on the rung to another rung, one would call that the next rung up, the higher rung or something. Um, and it's an infinite kind of regression thing, which fucks with the human mind. But hey, we asked for it, I guess. Uh, it's rather entertaining to do this whole paradox forgetfulness game or whatever. Otherwise, as Alan Watts, you know, said, like, we'd just be bored or something. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think there's so much in the totality of the universe. Um, it's, I have a feeling that, uh, coming down to earth, as crazy as it is, you, you mentioned about perspective and whatnot. I do think this is a creation vehicle. And at the end of the day, it's going to be how people perceive what they perceive is what they will receive. And that's the way the system is sort of designed. But I also think that um, I sense that the one reason why I keep incarnating is because I think heaven's a bit more boring. I think this is a bit more fun to be focused on one thing. Yeah, no, you said that the other day in the, um, uh, namaste today you were like i it's a lot more fun to descend than ascend or something you said like that it's like it, it, this is like the place where all the flavors are available and we learn through mistakes um where i guess maybe in another form uh it doesn't work quite that way it's interesting so i guess um i don't know what you're like for time but we tend to do about two hours so we're kind of starting to run out of steam i presume you want to dip in a few minutes yeah totally i'm on that same clock with you guys word word um, so I guess walk me through some of the uh, stuff you're um, 
providing um and you know uh any plugs that kind of stuff also uh like whatever and whatever you want to talk about at the end i want to get you on here again and talk more specifically uh if you're down um about steps in detail and kind of talk about archetypes get maybe a fleshing out i mean i know you want to write a book but we can kind of shoot the shit if you're down like i said um about that stuff but in the meantime tying up the shoelaces um what kind of projects you up to how could people find you um that shtick okay awesome um the main site that has everything about me is seriousjoy.tv and that's serious spelled like the star s i r u you know s i r s i r i u s joy.tv uh, and then you can find out my weekly show is posted on that site too i'm also on youtube as soul garden but serious joy tv takes to everything uh, my latest work i mean i do the namaste today show which is every week i've been doing that for i don't know how many years now faithfully i did all 52 episodes thank you series. by the way Oh, you're welcome. It's my gift. You know, it's my charity. I, I want to make sure everyone has the, the knowledge they need to uh, ascend in life. Um, but I, you know, over, over the years, one of the things I came to realize I would do, you know, I do do readings, but honestly, um, I, I have a backlog at the moment. Time becomes what's most important to you. Um, and so uh, one of the things I started to come up against was I wanted to be able to help more people than I could with just one-on-one -on -one readings. And I would get frustrated because I would do a reading and a person would come back the next year and they hadn't grown very much um, just because they simply forgot. Like it was transformative. They learned, but they weren't able to apply it. And that's where my, uh, my personal service came out of. That was the birth of what I call serious joy. And I realized sort of out of Soul Garden, like Soul Garden was where we came to uh, heal. Serious joy is what we're aiming for. That's ultimately what I realized that people want to be happy. They want to be in their joy. They want to be in their heart. And so uh, I created this software astrology service. We, you put in your date of birth and information, and I basically text message you or email you seven times a day with basically what your narrative is. In the morning, I'm like, this is going to be your weather for the day, and then this is your goal at nine, and then noon, it's like, oh, the afternoon's looking sort of crazy. So I'm sort of like the little, um, the little uh, sensei over your shoulder. Jiminy Cricket. 100%. And, and ultimately what I learned was, and this is true. I mean, my experiment has turned true. I wanted to be able to, um, accelerate ascension through technology and astrology. And so we wrote this software, me and my partners, it took us three years to write this, where we're digesting your chart and we're giving you a curriculum to wake you up. And each year, the services, I have people that have been there, been over three years now. I'm writing the fourth year of content. Every year takes you to another level of understanding yourself a little bit better and you're getting these messages every day. And that was my, that was my wish. I, I realized like, I mean, I wish I could just send them a message on the day they needed to hear when they need to hear it. Because I think a lot about astrology and growth is it's about timing. There's a, you, you take advantage of that moment and you grow. If you miss that moment, you got to wait for that to come around again. You got to wait for that to cycle around again. So the whole premise of serious joy was I know when those turning points are, I can get the message to you. And ultimately, consciousness is about awareness. Like that you don't have to practice anything. You just have to take the idea into your soul at that moment and you will shift. And, and the truth is it's working. So the um, Serious Joy uh, Personal Sensei Service, you can link off of it. It's SeriousJoy.com to see that service. And the service is 100% comprehensive. This is like 100% personal life coaching. And the messages will shock you as far as their accuracy and when they come in. But there's also a whole online component too. We have a community. I do a daily pep talk every day 
So every morning there's a 20 minute pep talk where I tell you, here's the plan is for today. It's sort of like the coach. I feel like you're still addicted to the productivity. I see all good. I'm not complaining, but it's like, you're still providing a lot of support. Like, like, uh, you know, incrementally, it's not just an algorithm. You're doing videos and stuff. Go on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh no, it's all right. Interrupt any time. So you're right. No, it's, it's the algorithm that's sending out the messages according to your chart when you need them and, and that sort of thing. But then on top of that, it is daily coaching and coaching you it's enlightenment school too. So, um, we do, I do breath work in that daily day. It's called a daily pep talk. We do breath work. We play a telepathy game where I try to shoot ideas over to your brain so you can start to develop your, uh, telepathy abilities. Um, well, I also do famous birthdays and we also go into um, a little prayer at the very end. So it's like a little 20 minute church to sort of start your day and get you, get you motivated. And then there's also other programming like Namaste Today's Weekly. There's a mega monthly that's monthly. And there's a couple of reports in there. One report that's worth seeing is I did this report called the Secrets of Birthdays Love and Lust Report. And our technology is cool because we can assemble videos according to a chart. So I can make video, I can make a custom-made program from start to end by selecting from vaults of videos based on parts of your chart. And that's really what the big vision of Serious Joy was. I mean, I wanted to – I think my greatest talent is giving personal readings. That's where I am just crazy good. And so I wanted to put that ability into technology. So basically you could – you know, the end goal here is that you'll get a reading from me from the service once I've perfected it. Um, but that is – a is you're going to become your best friend. Um, it's it's four bucks to try for the first month, and then it's nineteen ninety five a month. So it's five bucks a week, but you're actually getting like fifty bucks a week of content, honestly, because of the way I produce. <laughs> yeah, it's chock full of goodies. Um, I'm definitely going to check that shit out. So I guess um, I want to say thanks for coming on, giving us your time. It is valuable. Uh, I'd love to have you back on here again and go into some more detail, but that'll be a while. So don't think I'll be rapping on your door like tomorrow or anything. Don't sweat that. <laughs> I won't harass you. Um, <laughs> cool. I, yeah. It's like, we'll get a few months of breather and digest and stuff, but um, welcome to the new Gregorian year. Uh, thank you for, like I said, your time and your insight, your work. It's fascinating. I, I think, um, I mean, I don't know about past lives and karma and all this stuff. Um, but you're one of these people that's coming up on the radar enough where I'm like, all right, we're not going to pay attention to what you're up to. So thanks for all the output you do. And uh, yeah, guys, this is very team rabbit hole. It's about finding the others, right? Like there's people out there trying to pursue what you're interested in and they might be a little further along and can kind of uh, Gandalf you out of, uh, you know, they can summon the eagles to get you out of the pine bushes that are burning or whatever, out of the frying pan into the fire. And they'll do you out of the shire or what? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Gandalf, you out of the trees. Straight into uh, Mount Doom. Well, <laughs> the song remains the same. It's like, you know, we're, the challenges uh, are eternal, it seems. So, you know, when you graduate from first year, you go to second year, and Potion sucks and Snape still sucks or whatever. But um, in any event, I digress. Guys, find the others. Have fun. And, yeah, look up Christopher's stuff. Thanks again, Christopher, for coming on. Thank you both, gentlemen. It's been a real pleasure and really very, uh, really a lot of fun. You kept saying, let's make it fun. And it really was because we're talking about all my favorite stuff. Thank you. You could see it in my chart. And if you knew Raphael's, we're all about having fun up here. If it's not fun, why are we doing it? I mean, right? That's kind of the point. Insert dolphin yeah. sound. <laughs> yeah. Geminis are fun. I mean, my son's a Gemini. So like I'm learning that from you guys. You do hold that fun spirit and, and hold it for the earth. That's what's up. Uh, any parting thoughts, uh, Christopher and Raphael? 
I'd just like to say thank you, Christopher, very much. It was most fun and exciting to listen to. And yeah, all in all, allow me to say I'm not surprised. And also, serious joy. We didn't really get into all the names and the details this time, but it, of course, syncs up perfectly well. The Sirius and the Dolphins are also certainly amongst my favorites. And uh, that's, you know, this joy ultimately, as simple, deceivingly simple as it may sound, it is truly what it's all about. So thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. Thank you, Raphael. That was a very kind thing to say. Um, I agree. At the end of the day, we're here to have some serious joy. Uh, we came down here to have a good time and enjoy ourselves. And I would say that uh, my parting words to those who are listening is, you know, with Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius uh, for the first time in, in 800 years, um, it was what brought the last age of enlightenment, in my opinion. This is the one time that you will get in your entire life where the universe is actually investing in you investing in yourself because Aquarius is where my heart belongs in the universe. That's how I see Aquarius. So this year may seem super crazy. It's going to have a lot of uh, surprises in store, but just remember the number one goal is that you get that relationship to yourself, right? Take advantage and take, get your relationship to yourself, right? And I believe the rest will be uh, a dolphin dream, if you will. Dolphinly, what's up? So yeah, as Reaper Cheap would say, further up and further in guys.
Rádio Pocket.